What's up, fam? What's up, Third World Ballers fam? We back, Third World Ballers. Your boy Josh here, sitting in with Caesar. my boy Caesar. Caesar, how are you today on this fine Two Tuesday? Two naughty boys. You're a little naughty boy. I'm doing good. Uh, today was a good day. Got a lot done. Uh, read a lot of interesting topics that we will be getting into later. Oh, so I'm excited for that. Yeah, we got a lots to get into today. Lots to get like, into. Like the good professor I am, I did tons of research, you know, by sitting on my couch and binge watching uh, certain television shows. Like CNN? I just sat and watched CNN for the last just week. Watch every Trump speech I could find. I have every news outlet playing at the same time in front of me. I have CNN playing while I have MSNBC playing while I have ABC playing. Hell yeah. And I just eat and I just eat in bed and I just fucking masturbate while I'm eating and coming and ingesting news. Mm. Oh, Kellyanne Conway. Am I right? Ooh, Tulsi. Show her again. <laughs> Show me those polls again. Show me those Tulsi polls. Mm, Tommy. Who's, who's leading Buttigieg? Oh, he's got Spe- butt in his name. Yeah, speaking of that, uh Beto uh, dropped out, huh? Beta O'Rourke, am I right? Yeah, Beta. <laughs> What a beta ass move of him to do. Bernie Alpha over him. Yeah, but we'll get into that uh, when we get into our news. It is pretty sad because Mr. Beta O'Rourke also said that he was deciding not to run for Senate as well. So he's just like, you know what? I guess my political career is over now. I'm just done. He just flopped. Well, good for him. You know, he took the high road out before it got even worse. And who's he kidding? He wasn't going to win either way, so. Much like a pebble will take a skater's uh, skateboard out, a pebble also took Beto O'Rourke out. Yeah, I think he actually uh, has been quoted to say that. He made the skateboard reference, too. So He did. <laughs> it works. It really works. It hit That one actually hit very home for me right now. Ugh, those pesky pebbles. Um, but let's, get, let's talk about some other naughty boys, because we hung out recently... And uh, we saw what could be definitively chalked up to as a uh, Naughty Boy movie. As a Naughty Boy romp. Um, As a Naughty Boy aficionado, I have to say, The Lighthouse was superb. Yes. I agree. Superb on all levels. Every single level. So let's uh let's get into The Lighthouse, dude. For those who don't know, it's uh, Robert Eggers' sophomore film. Robert Eggers big friend of the show he did one of our favorite movies the witch which we've talked about huge uh, fan yes huge fan huge and fan uh, the show. I meant the show. oh for sure yeah yeah the feeling is mutual on both parties uh in terms of our creative work he has actually been quoted to have been inspired by the by uh, third world ballers to film the lighthouse um i read they somewhere that relationship with each other yeah that's kind of how we you know talk with one another and our dynamics but um the lighthouse superb film yes indeed bunch of scallywaggers hanging out in a lighthouse drinking i think they were drinking kerosene at one point yeah towards the end i think they run out of booze and start and drinking straight kerosene. kerosene which is uh pretty i i really wonder what that drunk feels like or that high must feel like because 
That must get you blitzed. You must feel horrible. Or <laughs> <laughs> you're hallucinating by that point. Are you? I don't know. I mean, how much kerosene can you ingest before you're fucking have irreparable damage? Um, but yeah, so we checked out the lighthouse, like you said, Robert Eggers, uh, Willem Dafoe, and Robert Pattinson in, in the star roles. Um, Powerhouses. Pa- yes. Abs- like just primal acting at its best. Um, very provoking, very just sinister. And I think that this it's so different from The Witch, yet um, extremely up Eggers Alley in terms of using like the North American folklore and myths or mythology in order to sort of exhume a, a kind of history uh, worth recreating for ourselves. Because um, as the, per the video that you showed me uh, about his conversation, I think it was at the... Uh, New in New York City or something, something the, like that. Yeah, at some, at, I, I don't know if he was showing his film, but he must have. Uh, but he was talking about how like he had a question about like North American mythology and kind of like where our horror genres come from. A lot of times are from European mm-hmm. mythology and myths, and so uh, it is interesting to exhume that kind of history because a lot of it dealt with um, the, like the unknown, you know, because a lot of these people were coming over from the from Europe to this so-called new world with its new dangers and its new fascinations that it makes sense. You would, you know, use those as, uh, as a base from which to spring a kind of horrific tale. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think the lighthouse does a great job of just exemplifying that. Yeah. So historically authentic. Everything is authentic. And that's what I'd really loved. He's almost like Kubrickian in that he just makes every fine look. Every fine little detail authentic from even the film, the climate that these two actors are shooting in, which I've, from the interviews I've seen with them was extremely grueling because they were actually like, they weren't in some sort of studio where like rainfall was oh, falling wow, upon yeah. them. So they were on like, a, they were on an actual rock. So even just yeah. from like the buildup to, of the actual lighthouse, cause he built everything to scale. Like the two houses, his entire set was built from scratch with materials again that were available yes. during the eight, late 18th century which i think he said it was based like 1890 it takes or place in 1890 i think yeah. yeah yeah around there um but just it's just crazy the level of detail that goes into his film from i mean one of the big parts right is obviously those two characters the willem dafoe and robert panson and just their dialogue with one another they're speaking in the old like sailor tongue it was really hard to make sense of what they were <laughs> what they were saying Definitely. It's much more lyrical and poetic the way yes. they speak to each other. Very, very lyrical. emotional. Yeah, very like, like a theater play. It's like you're watching a play, basically. Absolutely. And I think he he was saying that for the dialogue to get the accuracy of it, he would he was reading a lot of these old sailor logs. Yeah, this you know, this like, one woman, uh Sarah uh I, f- I had her name I think I wrote it down wrong. Something Sarah Sarah something Jewett. Who like interviewed a bunch of sailors and rewrote her stories in the dialect that they were told to her. So he read like and that's so cool. Countless like, volumes of her work. I, I want to get her name right. I don't have it right now, but um, but yeah, just like the historical accuracy of it, I think is what really Sarah Orne Jewett. Sarah Horn, okay, yeah, is what really spellbinds you and kind <clears throat> of it literally just like. Um, immerses you into his vision and his world yeah. and um, just from the very beginning of it you start with Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe on the boat heading to the lighthouse going to relieve these two men from their 
uh, just their stint at the lighthouse. Well, see, this is where I was. I think I think that it was Willem Dafoe's original. He was the one of the original lighthouse attendees, I guess. So Robert Pattinson might have been going on his own. Yeah, and I think just maybe Willem Dafoe made the you know the trip back over to the Rock with him just to get him acclimated. But because like there are a lot of signs that Willem already knows what's up in what's going on in the oh, lighthouse, true. and like Definitely. he there's this talk of the previous lighthouse attendee that's that died, and Robert yeah, Pattinson sort of questioning about sure. it. Yeah. And that's what's, you know, I think overall the film makes me think of like, we need more films that depict these kind of, especially in the horror genre, I would say, that depict kind of like like the male insecurities that we have. I don't know <laughs> yeah. if that's like a good way to put it, but like, because with horror films in general, when we talk about them, females are usually the lead actresses and it has something to deal with them as being female that the horror is kind of inflicted upon them or that right. they get submerged into yeah. this horrific realm. But with men, we don't see a lot of films that depict like male insecurities as we see them as males, you know? Right. Like this idea about like as the film develops, right, Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe get into this very strange sort <laughs> of um beyond platonic relationship that becomes very romantic in a way you know and yeah like, they're confiding they, in each other emotionally heavily heavily and physically even yeah and, to the point it gets physical yeah and fluidly like jesus christ <laughs> they're um, so fluid but i think it, it, the way they depict that especially uh with their age difference you know being that robert pattinson's character and that is so young and so nubile and uh, Willem Dafoe is like this old scraggly creature basically it's like <laughs> that also makes it a really interesting dynamic because there's both like this father-son yes. uh, play at it where Robert Pattinson has even said in interviews that his character just wants a daddy that's right, it. right. and whether that's a daddy dom or a daddy that will take care of you as a father would and, is to be interpreted by your own will and that ambiguity between their relationship is, is it's great too because I've, I've also seen robert Pattinson talk about uh or ro- rather robert eggers like robert Pattinson would come up to him and be like so like is this like do i want a dad like am i the aggressor is he the aggressor and robert eggers just basically told him all of that like whichever one works for you like that's your character so it's just so fluid and i think that just is uh, it just comes together very well between the relationship throughout the whole film I mean, the acting is just on a on another level. And what's interesting is that Willem Dafoe saw the witch on yeah. a random evening, fell in love with it so much by its subtext and by its imagery and everything that he called up his like agent to find out, like, hey, who made this movie? You know, I want to get in right. touch with him. Gets in touch with Robert Eggers, and then they just start developing a relationship that, like, wants to you know work together Mm -hmm. and uh i love that that like there's this confidence that these actors have in the roles they're playing but also in the person who's directing them so that they can devote everything they can to the craft and uh, an interesting thing about what robert eggers was saying about their acting is that willem dafoe comes from a theater background and robert pattinson doesn't and so the kind of uh, acting they would bring to it was very conflictual in some ways, but also very like a, a good way to like 
uh, bounce ideas off of each and other. And also their know? characters are very conflicted with one another too. So it would trans you can totally sense. see it translate into their actual performance throughout the film. Willem Dafoe is you could tell he's a theater actor. Like oh he yeah. Does these very big expressions and big grand gestures and Robert Pattinson I think <laughs> does live for the for the lens. Uh it's funny. Know, he's just good at setting himself apart in a scene it's, uh so it's funny since uh, we saw the lighthouse i uh i've seen both them in different films um <laughs> i so i got to the part in wild at heart with uh with uh when Willem he finally Def- does the yeah bobby peru and uh uh-huh. and <laughs> his fucking character in that film he's he steals the show at that point he absolutely does so menacing and so vile just so gross and creep like he looks greasy as fuck and acts it (laughs) yeah like he literally put fucking engine oil in his hair or something (laughs) Uh, but then i also saw over the weekend well i didn't see it was on tv and i happened to be watching it because my girlfriend was watching it at twilight and i was like whoa (laughs) (laughs) this is so bizarre to see robert panson just like hella emo standing around like they're coming for her i broke the rules it's time no she's the one he's got uh such a chameleonic performance that guy robert pattinson like if you see him in his in the new films that he's in for instance the safety brothers good time claire denise high life velocity of z any of those films you can see david cronenberg's fucking cosmopolis like he really gives him himself to the role and i and i enjoy that about him he's like a chameleon he's able to shape shift in each role and that's why good time that role was like made that role was made for him honestly it's such a he like the sleaziest person you can think of who shape shifts his way through this whole night of robbery and crime and uh i've never seen a performance like that it's like one of my favorites i've yet to see but, good time i need to check that out still i dude you would love it honestly yeah i'm sure he's like a way cooler uh ryan gosling i feel or a much a yeah. better actor than ryan gosling oh because ryan gosling does stuff a lot better ryan gosling's just got the chin and the shoulders and the chest and the abs and the nose and the hair and the eyes and the dreaminess but he ain't got, uh, got no acting chops. He's just a James Dean like figure. He's yeah, not very. He's good to look at, but not. And like he chooses his roles well. Whoever his agent is knows how to put him in a film because he's in good movies. Well, he also chooses. I like. I mean, they also get to choose. I heard uh, for Place Beyond the Pines, uh, he came up with the whole idea of being a motorcycle bank robber. Because I guess I forget. Oh, wow. I don't know who directed Place Beyond the Pines, but they were talking about a role that Ryan Gosling wanted to play like his entire life and. He pitched to him that idea, and then they created Place Beyond the Plants, which I, I like that movie, too. I mean, for a while, I didn't like the part. I liked it up until he dies. Spoiler alert. But uh, the rest of it's pretty cool. Yeah, I've never seen it. It's on my queue, actually. So I've been, the, same, the director did something else, but I can't remember. And I know Gosling was in it. That's why, he was, that's why he's in this one. Um, anyway, but yeah, Lighthouse. Amazing film. It. Uh, it's getting me hyped for his next one. I was looking at that uh, the Northman Viking revenge saga that he has set to come out um, somewhere in, that's based in like the 10th century or something. Excuse me, crazy like that. I mean, just anything Robert Eggers does, I get hyped on because of that like level of detail this guy puts into his films. It's nuts, dude. Like, no rock is left unturned with that guy. 
abs just unabashedly his creative vision and his willingness to devote again like everything to detail to accuracy to atmosphere i mean even just, the way that he created the the, the aspect ratio like it's how it's like it yeah. shot like an old-timey film filmed mm-hmm. on this thing called double x black i think is what it's called that hasn't changed its formatting since the 50s so it's mm. like you can really still see the like authenticity of capturing a moment in history and it, oh, it, yes. it being black and white too right like that adds to uh-huh. that whole like old-timey nosferatu era 20s film um, and just the le- like I mean, again, the camera work in it is so badass. Amazing. Amazing. That there's just that one shot where Willem Dafoe's cursing Robert Pattinson and it's like an angle from below and his uh, it starts getting darker and more shadowy Seriously. and his eyes just start brightening and brightening up. It doesn't up. take the lens off of him and you no. you want to see Robert Pattinson's expression like you, usually in a scene like that you would get a cut to him back and forth. Right. And this the way that it just locks you onto him. It just it made me feel so much anxiety because I was like, ah, <laughs> give me a wit, like, let me look at something else now. And even you know, though like, you don't really know what exactly he's saying, you just know he's giving him some sort of curse and like, yeah, he's exactly. damning him for whatever, however he could. What I also did like too about that aspect ratio and that it being kind of in that little box, um, I just felt like I was like somebody like watching it through like a telescope and like peering in on yes. this like crazy weird ghost story from afar and watching these two men go mad i thought that was I, I thought that was the intent of putting it like that but then when you said like the aspect ratio and how films were made like that back in the day so made I mean, more used, sense it's it was purposely used for that idea that like it's once you see the frame it's instantly going to transport you to right. an earlier age and yeah. era so he, that's like the main reason and also because like again it confines the quarters of the frame which is also the confinement that the characters find themselves in yeah. throughout the film like not being able to escape this frame and everything is held within this box basically um yeah and i, I actually like that analogy better of this like peeking in you know right. peering in kind of deal it was it very much felt like that like you were witnessing these two men's secrets get foretold without you know like <laughs> their consent and it just drives them mad because literally they're just isolated on a fucking i mean he's literally island. robert pattinson's re- literally jerking off to a wax figure of a mermaid of a mermaid <laughs> <laughs> uh wow. but yeah we highly recommend it go check that film out if you're into some autoerotic male on male struggles some cool cinematography if you're into naughty boys go see it no but real talk shout out to robert eggers because that was a great film and it's rare that you get films like this nowadays especially on a wide release too i originally thought it was just going to be limited but we saw it was in amc's and apparently it did really well for its initial release so oh i bet i bet it'll pick up yeah for those who know no it might be i feel like maybe it might put off some people because of the fact that it's black and white and the aspect ratio is so unique yeah um, it's definitely but then a film again, that'll definitely draw people in but if you admire film in general this is definitely a film that you will enjoy and definitely one you need to see in theaters too because the sound is overwhelming <laughs> at, par- yes. at times the sound design is uh, intense. Very intense. That foghorn. I don't even know. It wasn't in a foghorn. Right? It, it, it was a foghorn. Oh, it was a foghorn? Yeah. This mm-hmm. constant foghorn sound that's played throughout the film is pretty haunting for and being so the, blaring. The ending with the 
yeah, just the climax of it. Like, <laughs> yeah, don't say because the it's, sound uh, design in that is is amazing. Yeah, I really want to see think, it again. He but... was the same sound design from The Witch. Yeah, or I'm pretty sure. I think he had a lot of the same team from The Witch. That's what he was saying, which makes it so much easier, I think, for them. Oh, of course. They already know his crazy filming style. Exactly. And they know it's like, no, I I want this, you know? (laughs) Yeah. But Robert Eggers, man, that guy's a badass. Apparently, he didn't do Nosferatu because no one wanted to greenlight it. He wanted to. Absurd. Right? But they were like, oh, you can make this weird movie, so go ahead, make this one. Which is strange, right? Because you would think, like, they would want to green light, green light a new franchise. Maybe they wanted to green light it with, as a franchise and he wasn't done with that. Definitely. Which I can totally see him doing. But uh, wrapping it up on the lighthouse, go check that shit out. It was amazing. And yeah, what else we got next, dude? We're about to get into some news shit. Some crazy things have been going on. LeBron James' oh, yeah. hair is falling out. <laughs> uh, people are innocently getting shot by cops. People are starting to say Jeffrey Epstein is has been ruled a homicide ruled a homicide and what else we got we killed that dog of a leader from Baghdadi. Baghdadi, we got him <laughs> we got him. i got him he got him uh but yeah man a lot going on the, the bag and the daddy the bag daddy <laughs> he laid like a daddy. dog for those who don't know what we're talking about we're talking about trump's immaculate speech um about folks, how we got him how about how they captured yeah folks we got him <laughs> <laughs> we nailed him about uh his speech about how we nailed the fucking dog of a leader of isis and uh al jabbar baghdadi who uh, uh like blew himself up in a cave or something and a dog chased him in there and the dog didn't hurt himself but uh <laughs> <laughs> but baghdadi died like a dog whimpering <laughs> and crying <laughs> Oh Trump, man! What a fucking crazy guy! Who writes? Who, who says a speech like that? <laughs> Dude, he was—he must have been speaking off the cuff. Oh, one hundred percent. No way a speech writer would be able to come up with that. He died like a dog. Reference dog who also went in but did not die. Yeah, like how? Who? Proof, no one's proofreading this dog speech. He's just speaking it off the cu- like the prompter's going, and he's just like <laughs> ignoring. He's like, it. no, no, I don't, I don't need it. Turn it off. I don't see it. I'm tremendous. Um, yeah, that was hilarious. And but I've also been hearing a lot about like the. I mean, for the most part, the America or the U.S. created ISIS. Bag Daddy and you know Mr. Daddy Bags and ISIS in general or ISIL. Oh, are you ISIL? Um, That's my favorite one. ISIL. Never forget. <laughs> we got them, folks. We um, have ISIL. If you want to keep your bag daddies. You can keep them. <laughs> if you want to keep the L in ISIS, you can keep it. Um, <laughs> yeah, like we we have been decimating their country for God knows how long. Yeah. Um, I mean, we have a notorious uh, habit of getting into bed with these terrorist leaders. And then as soon as they fulfill their purpose, we turn around and say, oh, my God, this guy is evil. This guy is the most evil. <laughs> this guy's sketch. Person ever look at what he's doing we need to get him out look at how he's using the things we gave him i didn't even invite him yeah what is he just here yeah 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 yeah. he's like a crazy ex-lover for some reason they're just hanging on to the u.s the boyfriend i feel like the u.s is the crazy ex-lover who breaks up with 
a girl and then just says who's then just proceeds to stalk her or write her love notes <laughs> threatening her and telling her how much she's ruining his life that's what it is very true much <laughs> like the jock I think. oh look at that dog of yours right there look at that dog that looks like bag daddy this is my dog bag daddy um but yeah like i just think it's hilarious that this guy this guy all of a sudden appears in the news again no one knows about him uh bag daddy yeah like no one knew his name which is funny enough from (laughs) that joe monde comedy sketch he was talking about how he's like hey does anybody know the name of isis the head leader of the terrorist organization we are all Afraid of the US. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No one knows his name. Turns out it's Baghdaddy. <laughs> but yeah, I just think it's 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 really interesting that we can conflate this guy with um, U.S. imperialism in a way that it's like we got him. We got him. Yeah, like like what did you get? Everyone, take you know? a deep breath. We got it. Under so control. Is what you're saying? Like, yeah. Everything's yeah. Done. Another person dead. Another body count, dude. Another country that's scared of us because we will we'll get you. Existed in the first place. If we never, all we know. Yeah, if we didn't get anybody in the first place, there wouldn't be somebody else to get. Not to mention, you're just dumping these bodies in the ocean, so we can never actually see, you know, if that was real or not. Like, yeah. They my, just have complete disrespect. <laughs> my favorite whole, my entire favorite thing about this whole Baghdadi fiasco, actually mission accomplished event, um, was the uh, the war room photo or the the whatever that room is called uh, that Trump and his uh, cabinet tried to recreate, like the Obama one when they got that son of a bitch Osama, and uh, it was just fucking hilarious. There's like people have pointed out that like nothing is plugged in or like some stuff isn't plugged in and others isn't. But if you really sit and examine this photo. It's so goddamn staged. Like, it just looks fucking, like, too crisp of a photo. Everyone's, like, perfectly, like, aligned. And he's just, like, sitting in the center of the... (laughs) Have you seen it? (laughs) Yes, I have. It is very funny, honestly. And the wires, again, no one should have that amount of wire. It's like they just... Oh, let's make it seem like we have a bunch of shit plugged in. Yeah, like, we got a lot of Ethernet cables here. Yeah, we got a lot of screens here, actually. We got a lot of internet action going on here. Uh, excuse, don't mind us. But you're right. Like, a lot of them aren't even plugged in. They're like <laughs> ethernet cables, and they're just hanging around in a tangled mess. <laughs> just spilling out over the table, which is hilarious. <laughs> they're not even trying to hide it. Like They, they really aren't. They honestly thought that showing it would make them look smarter. Why, though? Like, what does he... Uh, it's so bizarre. Again, at least Obama and Clinton had the audacity to, you know, actually make it look authentic in like a little tiny room, whatever room they were in. It looked like a fucking broom closet. I mean, it was definitely uh, more well thought out for the Obama admin. Yeah, and I mean, even the way Obama comes out to talk about it, you right. know, the, in terms of uh, killing Osama bin, bin Laden, which. For the most part, we knew his location for a long time and didn't do anything. Weren't we about like it. giving him dialysis or something? I remember there that being something about how we were basically keeping him alive. He was just hanging out in a in a. I think he was hanging out in jail or something like that. But oh. he was able to do whatever he wanted there. Like he was watching porn and playing a lot of video games. Apparently. Yeah, they felt like a, a bunch of porn, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
which is hilarious. Like, because it's probably American porn. Like, he probably had no, or he probably had some idea. But just this guy's just hanging out, just literally cruising. fucking chilling. And then the U.S. just shows up in your house, and they're like, "Uh, that's a wrap. Okay. We need you." <laughs> but uh, let's hear our wise uh, president speak. Yeah, <laughs> and then back up again. The United States brought the world's number one terrorist leader terrorist. to justice. Terrorist. Abu Bakar al Baghdadi. That was Abu so hard for him to say. Bakar al Baghdadi is dead. <laughs> oh he was the founder and leader of ISIS. <laughs> They're very technically brilliant. You know, they use the internet. Better than almost anybody in the world, perhaps other than Donald Trump. Uh, the thug who tried so hard to intimidate others spent his last moments in utter fear, in total panic and dread. Abu Bakar al-Baghdadi was a sick and depraved uh. man. And now he's gone. Bye-bye, Abu Bakar. Baghdadi, he died like a dog. He died like a coward. He died like a dog. He died like a coward. He was whimpering, screaming, and crying. Crying, whimpering, screaming like a dog. He died after running into a dead-end tunnel, whimpering and crying and screaming all the way. He died like a dog. Baghdadi and the losers who worked for him. Losers they are. They were very frightened puppies. Dogs. 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 Puppies. He reached the end of the tunnel as our dogs dog chased him down. Puppies. I got to watch much of it. No personnel were lost in the operation. Our dog was hurt. Actually, the... The canine dog was, uh, dog went into the tunnel, but we lost nobody. Our dog was hurt. Oh my god, that was. Uh, uh, Vic Burger strikes again. Shouts out to him, but shouts out more so to the president. Man, he's fucking kicking ass. Nobody uses the internet better than him. <laughs> no, perhaps Donald Trump. <laughs> they use perhaps. the internet. They use the internet better than anybody else in the world. <laughs> Except perhaps for other than I Donald Trump. I love that he just has to throw that in there. <laughs> Such a normal thing to say. Right? They're died Very like normal. dogs. <laughs> <laughs> puppies. There's a bunch of sick puppies. Uh, holy shit. That's funny. <sighs> Actually, the dog was hurt. The canine <laughs> ran into the tunnel. He hurt his leg, but no one was hurt. Did you see that dog? That like master elite dog trainer... Uh, go on fox news and they asked him like yes at the end of the segment <laughs> yeah it's just and by the way epstein didn't kill himself that's amazing dude that was awesome dude he did a very good service for his country hopefully he's okay um maybe well hopefully we don't find out he's wound up in some fucking dumpster and <laughs> somewhere in los angeles or oh no shit. people who love dogs 
we're not going to let this man get hurt. Hopefully. I mean, hopefully, hopefully his dogs will protect him. Well, sick puppies. Well, speaking of Epstein, dude, let's get into some Epstein shit because it's starting to recently, recent, uh, you know, findings are starting to say that he was in fact murdered, which we have been saying for how I don't know how long, which isn't very much new news, but it's great to see that it's actually being portrayed in the news. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not going to go away, but uh, did you see there th- are some new things that are coming up, which are really interesting. Did you see that uh, ABC Anchor? ABC Anchor, yes. That was that fucking crazy. Was, that was wild. But it Let's makes play sense that. because there was also that guy Ronan Farrow who from MSNBC who was covering uh, the Weinstein uh, allegations. He was writing a big piece about that, and MSNBC basically like um, basic or I don't know. No, the Clintons actually are the ones who basically. Yuck derailed his investigation and made it so that he wasn't able to do it anymore and they right. like, cut ties with him and everything so he re- he recently came out with the well he went to first to um what is it i think new, some new york magazine or something um mm. or the art magazine whatever they have there i don't know what fucking magazine uh but he came out with a book recently on that whole uh, fiasco and just like what he found out during the investigation because yeah i guess that has a lot to do with you know, i mean i'm sure it would have to do a lot with epstein yeah i mean it's crazy uh just how much they prevented this information from being exposed earlier on like i have that then that amy robach i believe her name is um she said that basically she had it for three years and it was just being dismissed by abc because <clears throat> Apparently, like, I, I don't know who Virginia Roberts is, but she has someone who, she was one of Epstein's, I think, like, sex slaves, for lack of a better phrase of that. Um, and she had, like, dirt on Prince Andrew, and, like, she knew how, she had all these interviewed questions with her, and ABC was just like, what? Like, we're, we're, we don't need this. Like, we got him coming on next week. We can't have him. We can't have you running around saying all this shit. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just crazy. Like, why is news being prevented? Like, Can you answer me that? I'm- well, it is also because they're by corporations, right? Yeah, I mean that's the that's the real that's quick, like the, quick and easy answer, right? It is, and they just yeah. won't allow anything that kind of attacks their image as owners of people, the government, and just like the the state in general, the state apparatus, yeah, which allows them to peddle their fucking nonsense. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up, but. It's good to see that this Epstein shit hasn't gone away, given the amount of news that comes out every single fucking day and the next meme that comes out. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Epstein shit's still coming to light, and I hope that it continues to be in the news cycle. So let's just hope for that, dude. But uh, let's move on, man. What else you got? Um, what else you got well, for the kid? What's going of, on? speaking of, like, corporate entities conglomerating around media... <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, there are kind of two things that I wanted to talk about that I thought had to deal with that subject specifically, but um, we'll see which one you want to talk about more. Um, the discourse with Martin Scorsese and the Marvel Cinematic Universe, as no, it is. Ne- the is getting... next one. The next one. Okay. <laughs> it is getting out of control. Go ahead. That's go ahead. Speak on say. it, though. Go ahead. I'll... I mean, it's just fucking dumb. Point is, he... <laughs> Scorsese released an op-ed in the New York Times, which is really good i think uh-huh. uh people should really read it no what do you say i mean give me the breakdown <laughs> i mean we don't, i'm not going to spend a long time no 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 the discourse around it is really 
really mind numbing and just will give you poison. Um, but the point is that he's ta- he releases op-ed talking about uh, clarifying his ideas about the idea that the Marvel movies aren't so-called cinema. Right. And he wanted to go further in depth about that. And his whole idea is that because the Marvel Cinematic Universe is owned by a corporation, an entity, in essence, this is only used to make films as a commodity at that point, which, I mean, we could obviously tell because oh, yeah. they have a very distinct look to them. Uh, they they all repurpose imagery from each other and fight scenes and... Um, characters, storylines. Characters, storylines, yes. <clears throat> and so it's all just a resuscitation of this same narrative over and over, just with a different uh, veneer over it. And because of that, he says it lacks the fundamental... Uh, thing that cinema needs, which is soul, which is mm. uh, a, a, a sort of um, a sort of uh, duel between two identities and two forms. Right, and there are semblances of that in the Marvel Cinema uh, Universe, cinematic universe as it is, but it's only there to exist to move to further move the commodity. That's it. It's not there as the base point for what the film is. Yeah, it drives no depth or meaning to the characters or anything that's being presented to you in the film. It's just there to just be another selling point for how cool the person you're watching is. Yes, and then that's why he he treats them as as thrill parks, (laughs) as these rides for entertainment, because nothing is at risk in these films no the characters no. are definitively owned by this corporate entity that gets to decide how their narrative is going to go like there is no risk that's at play with whoever's directing them sure they're they might have talented folks working on them but that doesn't mean the films themselves are going to be these works of art because at the end of the day no matter how many talented people you have working on the film it's still going to be up to the the discretion of the conglomerate and the corporation to decide what is going to be ultimately on the final cut of the film you know like nothing's going to get approved until they say so no matter what artistic path you want to take it on whatever however edgy you want it to be it still needs to be made for a mass market and it needs to sell and it will because you have these household names already and it's easy and don't rock the boat too much with your crazy storylines because we don't care about it. All we care about is the bottom line. Exactly. And then you won't get... Because these franchises suck up resources and revenue in the box office, you start to uh, to whittle out the the more independent films that you would be able to see. Like, for instance, with The Lighthouse. Like, Parasite. It's not playing over here in Central Valley, you know? And I'm sure... Yeah there are people who would like to see it, but they can't because they don't live in a bigger city. And if they do go to the movies, they're going to be just um, submerged. Maleficent, stuff like that. Yeah, franchise films. Things that are just commodities at this point. Which sucks for... It is Disney. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Look at it. Which sucks for the grander scheme of culture, too, right? Because, like... Exactly. You people in the Central Valley and people in just smaller rural areas deserve the opportunity to be s- exposed to like culturally prominent films other than just fucking a big action blockbuster film. And it, that just does pu- pushes nothing for like edgy because you can learn a lot from just seeing a movie. You can be, you know, inclined to go research more information about a film where they drew inspiration from that from. And people in certain areas aren't giving 
aren't given that opportunity because all they have are yeah fucking the next five disney movies that are taking over the blockbuster and right also, now. they because of that, theaters aren't going to be able to operate like independent theaters. Right, 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 right. That too. Because they have to placate to what is being shown in order to get people to go to their theater. You know, right. so they in essence start running these theaters out of business, and they can't like. There you go. Yeah, the vicious, vicious cycle. All you're gonna have is streaming, and then. Uh, the Marvel Disney Universe in theater. That's it. And that's Scorsese's biggest problem in this op-ed is he talks about like the idea that filmmakers, directors, put so much passion into the work. Like they make these films to be put in theaters, not to be streamed, not to be like watched at home. And and of course, if you want to do that, that's fine. But I think for the bigger part, it should be available to people in the theater. It shouldn't be whether it makes money. Yeah. You know what I want to see? I want to see I want to see a reaction video of somebody walking to an independent film in somewhere like the Central Valley and seeing the lighthouse on the marquee and screaming exactly. and crying with like joy. Not like these videos that we see every fucking year of the ne- the Star Wars trailer reveal. My reaction and people literally <sighs> bursting out Sorry. uncontrollably in tears for the same fucking movie you just saw two years ago. Oh, there it's coming to an end. Is it though? Is it? Is it going to come to an end? <laughs> no, it's not. So why are you no, crying? <laughs> you literally have the Star Wars extended universe in the TV series. It's coming out, yeah. Doing. Which I'm not gonna lie, like, that's cool, but whatever. I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't, don't get know. me wrong. I'm a I'm a Star Wars guy. I like it, but I'm not gonna get fucking it, hyped and wet. I, it's one and done. These uh, the new ones are one and done for me. I don't need to rewatch the fucking Last Jedi or the whatever the first one was called. Of, but in the end, I think it just plays to your. Uh, fucking child self. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Childish immaturity that we all have. Well, like you, but s- it does it so well that you are willingly giving your fucking life and money and yeah. soul to these companies that will turn it in, into a profit and then make a joke out of it by making you think that by going to see this movie you're committing this like political act or this revolutionary act because you or you're the- you're part of like a cultural phenomenon that's experiencing yes. this grand ski like grand theater of film and characters that are being exactly. finally put onto the screen from the comic book pages whoa all of that has lost its mystique so much dude so like, much so that once no one, it's almost like people just have to put up with them they're going to see them <laughs> yeah just like, i have to fucking do this it's my it's my day in the mind dude that's how i feel about star wars i'm like well i like going to the movies so i guess i have to go see that whatever the exactly f- and, and that's, it's ugh, ugh that's is right. A depressing feeling, like it really a morbid, is a very morbid thought. Because then again, the culture is dictated by these small conglomerates of people who yeah. consolidate information. So moving on from that point well, is read that article. Uh, Scorsese yeah. is the goat. He's the goat. Let's uh, get into a couple more topics, and then we're gonna get into a new segment that we have for third world oh, ballers that I think everyone's exciting. gonna love. Um, this isn't really anything we can dive into. I just want to mention how funny it was. Did you hear about, uh, Kanye West's, uh, recent Sunday service food fiasco? Uh, no. What happened? So people are, uh, so I don't know if you know, but Kanye West has been doing his Sunday service. He just released an album. I think it was last week. Maybe the week. What is it called again? Jesus? Jesus Jesus is King. Yeah. Okay. 
and um, i mean it's okay it's whatever um i like it because just because it doesn't sound like i always say like people hate on it it sounds so weird like what the fuck's kanye doing and i'm like dude kanye is being kanye you know like he's not trying to sound like uh, the amigos or he's not trying to sound like any of these people like, he's an enigma yeah, and he's really making his own sound of music, and you can't really knock the guy. Like, yeah, he's on the top forty charts because you put him there. Like, you like it, so like, he's not. He's just doing whatever he wants to do at this point. So, uh, anyways, he has his Sunday service, and last well, Sunday, this past Sunday, actually, he had a fifty-five dollar brunch um, for anybody that donated to it, and people are comparing it to the fire festival lunch that was given. I don't know if you remember. <laughs> that line i've not seen like any pictures or you haven't well let me get a picture for you and we'll actually make this the uh hero image for our uh episode rather the thumbnail i don't know why i said hero image um yeah so here you go looks worse than a mcdonald's breakfast for the listeners we have a dried up sausage (laughs) patty two thin i don't they don't even look like real that pieces of like bacon <laughs> yeah and some soft ass or some dry ass rather they pancakes so dry with no n- syrup or butter no syrup butter no condiments seen on here and if you see here the side by side which i find really funny is we have the <coughs> oh wow very good so here we go we have the kanye west sunday brunch which has the the three items i mentioned and then over here to the next image we're looking at is the fire festival lunch that was given and for the listeners who forgot it was two pieces of bread not toasted (laughs) not even lathered up with (laughs) two slices of cheese and a soggy ass salad with a big tomato slice soggy ass spring mix So, uh, yeah, that was, I just thought that was fucking hilarious. That is very funny. That, I don't even know if that's bacon or, <laughs> again, grilled carrot shavings. It looked really it bad. Like, but come on, Kanye. Do you think Jesus would like that served at his last supper? Step up. That's step not up, a dude. real fit for a king. Definitely right not. Here. Dude, definitely not. Like, what are you talking about, king? Jesus is king, and apparently the people to you are not king of the peasants yes king of the peasants um what else you got dude you got anything else you want to get into this week um oh, besides yeah, the brunch cello uh, talk about the deadspin stuff at all yeah we, or, can, we can talk about that are you sure i don't, I don't know I didn't, I didn't really have anything else <laughs> well then in that case let's uh get into our new segment dude okay let's do that <laughs> I'm, i won't do that you yeah, i know you're itching to talk about it so we are embarked we're on actual mission um we're very deep cover right now um in the bowels of the amazon we've been sent a mission we've been sent a mission into the amazon with our fellow comrade bright boy jack helpert ryan yeah dun, dun, dun. so this first mission is called cargo dude we're on a, 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 operation cargo <coughs> excuse me why don't you tell <clears throat> tell the listeners first what exactly we have devoted ourselves to doing you mean that a mission briefing wasn't clear? Oh, yeah. So why don't you give them the mission <laughs> briefing? No. Uh, yeah, we are embarking on watching the entire series. Well, season two, rather. Because Go you don't on, really need boy. season one. Oh, we're watching season two of Jack Ryan with John Krasinski himself. Jim Bright Boy Halpert. And uh, we are rotting our brains with that show. So you guys don't have to. And you know, I got to say, it's been mildly entertaining. 
quite a ride. I can see why people would be into it. Uh, it's very fast-paced, got that thriller vibe to it. Ugh, um, does it, though? It does. I mean, it moves like one, but it's definitely <coughs> not. It moves uh, like the driest, boomerist fucking thriller you can ever watch. It moves like some deviant art of, uh, you know, like Pikachu rather than, you know, the classic made Pikachu. Which yeah, this is tell. no spy thriller with James Bond banging women. This is fucking Jack Ryan by the book. Jack Ryan. Professor of Economics. Yeah, so where do we want to take it, dude? Do we want to break so, down episode one or what? I mean, I again, I never saw the first season. Didn't don't need really, to. Wasn't really interested. Because uh, I don't like these shows that kind of, again, make this glorify the CIA in a way that make them look like the good guys right they are most definitely not and uh if anyone has told you differently they're lying to you yes uh because you're a baby and look into it the second season is nice because it gives that (laughs) since it's on amazon it gives that nice little preview buffer um in the beginning so i basically found out the whole thing about the first season which is just about a terrorist of course whoa um Trying to attack, I, I, think uh-huh. he was talking, I don't know if he his name was Su, Sulaiman or something like that. Yeah, and basically John Kranziski gets introduced as Jack Ryan, professor of economics. I don't do that works. That he doesn't go stuff. on the field. Uh, professor of economics, which means he is probably from the neoliberal Chicago School of Economics, which, as our listeners would know, if you listen to the episode about Chile. Uh, were fundamental in changing the entire economic atmosphere of Latin America throughout the 60s and 70s and beyond even, uh, to the point that it has ramifications up to this day. Mm -hmm. So it is interesting that they choose this guy because, again, he's a lot more acceptable than someone who would be like a Frank, uh, or what's his name, John Bernthal, who plays Punisher, um, in the Netflix series, true, like him going to Venezuela and yeah, you know, it would look much, like something from the seventies or something, some sort of yeah, contrast. It would look straight up like some paramilitary guerrilla shit, you know. So, um, it it is nice to choose someone like a Jim Helper who has a recognizable face, who is this sweetheart, sort of a goofball sweetheart, great cult-like comedy series that people are infatuated with and throwing him into the jungle, so to speak, uh, on Mission <laughs> Impossible. So so let's get into episode one, dude. What The highs, the lows. So yeah, so the highs in that one, um, definitely the just like the brain-dead uh, thought that went into fucking creating some of these characters. Just talk about hitting it right on the goddamn nose. Yeah. Uh, so we have the Venezuelan president who is Nicolas Reyes. So for the listeners, let's tell them what this, who the big arching villain is in this entire uh, season is what it seems like it's playing it out to be. Is it the Russians? Like is it China? Is it North Korea? Is it Syria? No, it's not. What? Not. Who is it? Happens it happens to be Venezuela. What? Why is that? Well, as Jack Ryan <coughs> goes into detail, he gives a very thorough... Um, field guide for his class (laughs) in terms of they have the biggest resources uh, for oil Oil and gold and gold which so for some reason the u.s just has to get 
uh, a handle on because yeah. the Russians are getting close to doing that. Mm-hmm. So we find out that um, Jack Ryan is on the hunt because the Venezuelans are uh, shipping missiles. And, no, the, oh, no, no, so you're getting yeah, mixed up. So. Uh, just, our, just God damn it, tell me. our OG James Greer, who is a uh, opposite character of Jack Ryan, sort of the mentor, if you are, he is on a mission in Russia. He catches wind of a ship that's f- a fired a satellite, this ambiguous missile that we see in the opening shot into the air, and it's being shipped to none other than Venezuela. Is it fucking Russian shit? Is what he's trying to find out. Um, so he's investigating it too, and then we cut to the lecture that we were discussing of Jack ryan going through these sort of media outlets and who they're the the information that's being told on the news china has this north korea has this russia's testing out that syria did this and then he's like he kind of takes a survey of the class of who they perceive as the biggest threat to america and then he kind of goes on to this whole spiel about venezuela which i thought was really weird it was very regime change talk just like yeah very strange because the idea was that he was setting up the narrative that our media, uh, our fake media, is kind of what he was indicating. Right, misportrays the information that we're supposed to be focusing, uh, developing in. theory on it and like yeah. solutions about, and we're not focusing on the biggest problem, which is in our backyard, which is also some neo-colonial speak that oh, has yeah. been used to justify the Monroe Doctrine, for instance. And calling Latin America like our backyard, our playground. Right. Therefore, we have right to it and an access to it. <laughs> and um, to take something so historically prevalent and recent as Venezuela and the attempted coup regime change that they tried with fucking Nicolas Maduro and uh, trying to get his ass out with you know their failed coup attempts, mm-hmm. it speaks volumes to why they would use that in this setting. Oh yeah, um, but it makes sense because <clears throat> as Jack Ryan indicates, for some reason we need access to their gold and oil, and we can't let the Russians get a hold of it. Can't let them, or can't let them put know. shit, or else that's it. We're so, done. So after the lecture, he meets up with the senator. Uh, who happens to be a man who grew up in Venezuela or who was born in Venezuela, yeah. uh, but has recently moved to Miami and became the senator, uh, which is hilarious because Miami was a safe haven for a lot of Cuban exiles uh, when Fidel Castro came to power, who then plotted with uh, the Americans and some far-right Christian groups to basically go back to Cuba Cuba to overthrow Fidel Castro because they were so pissed. And a lot of them grew, like, they stayed in Miami. They Mm -hmm. have generations there. Like, so it makes sense that they would choose this senator from Miami, a Marco Rubio type, if you will. (laughs) Um, And I can't remember what that guy's name is in the the show. Uh, But... He is like a friend, a longtime friend of Jack Ryan. They happen to be in the military together. Hell uh, yeah. How convenient. Uh, <clears throat> this guy saved him um, from, I, I don't know what the fuck happened. He just saved him. Some There's some bullshit about that. Anyway, Dave, <laughs> that's when he finds out about the, because they are uh, trading weapons. Venezuelans are like getting weapons from, there, there's um, a ship that they've been tracking, and it's getting docked into Venezuelan water, and, and they get it has and weapons or something. They get intel that it's being guarded by Venezuelan military, 
Okay. So then they're like, well, what the fuck? Well, then they go to like, I don't know who that guy is. Who? Yeah. Some guy that can sanction, uh, you know, attacks or special missions or something. And they start saying like, we need to go in hard. We need to let them know. Like, we can't be taking any risks. And then he. the famous line of Jack Ryan saying, if they have uh, access to nuclear weapons, we won't even know about it because we'll be dead. (laughs) Yeah. Do you want a a catastrophe worse than 9-11? No. A catastrophe worse than 9-11. Like, I love how that's the only like American like <laughs> gl- attack that we can reference to, you know? Like, yeah. Do you want another 9-11? Because it's going like, to happen. relevancy. It's like, no, not like all. It's so funny. It's like in all the countries we invade have had these histories of genocide <laughs> and colonization and <laughs> historical dictators. And it's like. And ours is 9-11. Like, look at this. Do you want it to buildings? Do you want it to get here? Well, you did this, Uh, America, because you didn't act fast enough. Um, But yeah, during also I forget during that segment when Jack Ryan's giving his lecture, he also plays video footage in Venezuela that talks about Nicholas Reyes being this dictator. Yes, uh, who's driven his country into poverty. Which is interesting, right? Because of how it's being how Nicholas Maduro is being portrayed in the news now, and it's just fun. They're like reaffirming yes. these ideas that they're pushing in actual media through fiction. And that's where it becomes scary, too, because people who are uneducated are going to see this and be like, what, well, Nicolas Maduro, Nicolas Reyes, and start p- pinning these. Like, it feels like they'll get the people, two people mixed up or something. Oh, of course. And I think, again, we were talking about this earlier, but I think it is to appease that kind of narrative right. and make it softer for people so that. When the coup attempt potentially comes, we'll be 100% behind it. Because why? Because Jack Ryan told us it was, they were the biggest threat. I mean, Jack Ryan told us, CNN told us, everyone told us they're eating zoo lie. animals. Yeah, Jim wouldn't lie. Yeah, Jim um, wouldn't lie to me. But I love the, the actor that they chose to play the president of Venezuela. He's that guy who's in so many like he's like yes, a villain in so many. Uh, Jordi Mola. Yeah, Jordi uh, Mo- Moya or something like Moya, that. Moya, there you go. Yeah, and Mola. he's just the bad guy in Bad Boys Two, the cartel guy. He's always wow. the cartel guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Like they could also got the other guy, Francisco Den- Dennis, who plays uh, his like secretary, his undersecretary guy, mm-hmm. who when you meet Nicolas Reyes. He like sets up the meetings with the Americans, and uh, oh yeah, his, his wife is like. I think oh, he's like a general or something. Yeah, so there's a lot going on in Venezuela. Uh, but he there. plays uh, one of the cartel members in Narcos, mm. in another Netflix series. Um, they couldn't choose any better actor. Like, come on. I know. Anyway, uh, <coughs> they so they find out about the ship dock, and obviously they go to their U.S. I don't know who the, the guy who just dictates whether or not this country should fall. He's just like, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go go ask him if they got the weapons. Uh, just go ask Nicholas. You know, ask him what's up. Uh, so they go to Venezuela, <laughs> and of course, take the senator. And the senator's like, "Oh, this is my country, dude. I'm gonna show you around. Around, fool. <laughs> he doesn't talk like that, of course. Might as well, dude. <laughs> I know. That's why it's so funny. It's like, <laughs> hey, fool, hey, dude, welcome to my barrio, dog. Nick, you gonna eat that food? No, fool. Let's take you something really good. You drink tequila? You drink rum out here, fool. Come on, <laughs> don't be a bitch. A actual quote from the episode. <laughs> 
So they go out. They go Holy talk to Ray. They go talk. So they talk to Reyes. Reyes plays that he big dicks them pretty much and says, "I don't got shit. Stop coming here and asking and waving your American finger around at me or something." Um, whatever that Which happened. Which is made. It's so funny because that's made to make him look like a like menacing. Y- like yeah. Him. Right. Like, whoa, bro, you invite me here? You're not even going to talk to me? Wow, dude. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, that's the biggest insult that the U.S. can think of. As he, to he wasn't very nice to me. Was. He uh, wasn't he cordial. He didn't offer me any rum, actually. <laughs> actually, yeah. actually, I had no and rum. I love that little exchange between him and the senator at the end. Yeah. He tells him like Spanish and uh, Nicholas tells him like, hey, don't, you know, don't come back to your hood and tell us how to. Uh, yeah. Just because you live, just because you come here in the summer don't mean you from here, dog. What's up? Exactly. And he's like, hey, as long as you're not telling people that you're for the people. Yeah. He, it's like more fucking bullshit. That it's just like, oh, God. Yeah. So that happens. They go party. There's this weird sort of cucking that's going to happen apparently with the guy that you were mentioning who was in narcos and maduro uh, maduro look see i made the confusion (laughs) reyes is fucking interchangeable yeah yeah, exactly reyes is secondhand man Uh, and then there's that that other thing too of the other candidate who's supposed to be like the guides (laughs) the guides yeah but completely opposite of who guido actually is and what Guaida represents, which is weird because it seems like they're gonna start propping her up to be supported by the Americans because oh, she she's she's about the people, you know. She yes. is really about the people, and then and it's they just, made an effort <clears throat> of saying, like Jack Ryan says, she's she's grassroots leader, uh, she's yeah, an organizer. Yep. Um, what what other credentials can I remember about her? Stuff that Chavo and Maduro have been doing for. Chavez. Or Chavez, yeah, have been doing for fucking years. For years, that's yeah. what they were. Their whole legacies are built on. Yeah, yeah. It's hilarious, which is why the coup attempts didn't happen in real life in the U in, in history. Because people like now it. They have yeah, to reimagine it and fantasize about it. Literally fantasizing about it. Global scale through this uh, through this streaming network that's owned by a fucking billionaire. Who just moved to DC, by the way? Jesus Christ! That guy, oh man, it's just so like um, so transparent. What? Exactly. That it's it's yeah, it's wild. It's wild. Anyway, anyways, that happens. We we're starting to get some character Greer, development. Um, comes to Venezuela too. Well, who does? Greer, his partner. Oh yeah, he meets Greer him up in there. Him. Yeah, Greer uh, meets Jack Ryan's old partner. So the team's back again. They're kind of starting to get their information traded. Things are looking okay. Um, looking for the same guys because he's from Russia, so he knows the Russian side. Right. And uh, he's like, hey, these Russians are acting <clears throat> up. But what's crazy so. was the Game of Thrones uh, crossover, which yes. I thought was pretty badass. Um, and it's a good because um, you don't really find out what happens to uh, – what's his name? Jack, well, I forget his name, but the, the many-faced god mentor. Um, you don't really know what happens to the many-faced god guy in game of thrones and now we see him in venezuela he's a hired hitman he has put on a new face and it is that of a um i guess russian assassin with a very terrible accent um is he supposed to be russian i think he is supposed to be russian because it seemed like the the so what i was getting from his character was that he's introduced um as a hired hitman 
I'm assuming going to be tied to Nicholas Reyes uh, to take mm. out the U.S. senator who's visiting and who has just talked to uh, talked to him and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> this guy basically cajoles one of the police chiefs uh, into basically setting him up, setting yeah. him up, and blowing up the cars and shooting fucking the senator in the back. Yeah, so the, that's the big climax, right, in the episode. Uh, the whole yeah. chase sheen, shootout, Jack Ryan, big dick swinging, uh, backfiring towards the enemy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Jockin, which is his name in Game of Thrones, and that's how I will refer to him throughout this. Jockin, I forget how to say his. I don't uh, know. Hagar. How, Hagar, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Jockin Hagar. Um, goes out and pulls out some weaponry and just snipes the shit out of the senator, and boom, senator's dead. Jack that's Ryan's it. hurt. That First was his episode. buddy. Yeah. Oh, and then and Jack Ryan's also getting seduced by the the woman with the what's the fucking with those movies? The girl with the dragon tattoo. Uh, she's seducing him. So there's a lot of character, a lot of crossovers yeah, in this show. Rapace. Yeah, which I think is cool. You know, we got the girl with the dragon tattoo and Game of Thrones colliding in this Venezuelan civil war. Uh, and the fact that the senator dies there to let him <laughs> die in Venezuela, dude. Yep. That's where he was from. But anyways, uh, yeah, that's episode one. It's a very fun show that Can't I'm Can't wait to see where it's going to go. As oh, I know. they didn't just tell me in the first episode, basically. <laughs> yeah, the, everything is going to go. The recap of season one is basically the, the synopsis and a plot overview of season two. Exactly. You don't and need to watch it. But we're watching it for you, listeners, and we're hoping you're enjoying this breakdown of it because yeah, we're going to be propaganda for sure you know i tried to rewatch it again this morning uh or like a few hours before we recorded just you know just in case i miss anything Mm -hmm. and the first episode i was like i got this (laughs) there's there's nothing here that i'd miss it's like really straightforward giving it to you there's no sense of i don't know there's just it's right in your face it's just so spread face and it reads like a fucking weird like right winger fantasy novel uh, that well, that's what uh, it is, you know, like Tom Clancy. I mean, Tom Clancy. Well, tr- he's true, been getting true. boners from Marines for forever. But again, just completely obfuscates from the U.S.'s attempt to dominate the world and right. expand globally uh, to the detriment of the countries that they fucking get themselves involved in, as Jack Ryan clearly shows. You do, you visit a country to talk to the president, and you're blowing up shit in the street already, shooting this. See how senators getting them killed. See how much there's savages out here. America what needs to be business. everywhere. You want to let these people run things without our control over it? Nope. You're gonna get your senator nope. shot. The they CA is the only one that can oil. help you. They don't know how to control their gold. They'll spend it all. <laughs> yeah, we. They don't have cars. Come on. We need to drive. You need to get to your nine and five. I need so much money for my central air conditioning. <clears throat> well, I know I do. But that's uh, episode yeah. one, dude. We're not gonna. I wanted to maybe binge, but uh, you kind of no. We show. need to do it one at a time. <laughs> yeah. I can't talk about it all at once. <laughs> well, we kind of just did, but I oh, mean, we'll find the some first more episode, stuff. At least, yeah, 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 yeah. Because who knows what's gonna happen? Hey, it's a spy thriller. Jack you're Ryan. right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. What's gonna happen? Maybe we'll find out. Jack and Nagar is like Jack Ryan's brother or something. Too many fees good. I was uh, delightfully tickled to see him. Uh, show I didn't up. realize it was him until you told me. But I saw when I saw him, I was like, "The guy is frightfully familiar." 
<laughs> fully familiar. <laughs> just like something about you is, is like screaming at me. Too many just, he, he, even, he even does the light talk like with little short words. Yeah, he does do the same kind of talk. <laughs> He's like the opposite character of what, uh, what's his name? Hawkeye. What's that actor's name? Jeremy Rayner plays in all of his movies. The same guy, just with a different like skin. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> yes, you know, you remind me. It's Jack Ryan, the show, is basically like a Catherine Bigelow picture who did the Hurt Walker and fucking Zero Dark Thirty and all that bullshit. Um, <laughs> except without the dramatics and like the actual good technical filmmaking that you know a Bigelow picture would have, um, and also again trade in a Jeremy a stoic Jeremy Rayner for a fucking wimpy Jack or Jim Helper. What's his what's that? John Krasinski. John Krasinski. Days, he loves his Jays. Yeah, he does. Well, it's a safe name, you know. It's an American name, James. You know, fucking. Jason. Jason, John, yeah. Jim. Those are all founding fathers or sons of founding fathers. God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her. You know, I'm going to close this episode out. And defile her. I'm going to close this episode out with probably one of the best national anthems in recorded history. Uh, we've played this before well we're gonna play it again because it's amazing um and for you listeners we hope you guys enjoy um caesar i'm not even gonna show you what you're listening to because <laughs> i want you to close your eyes close them close them close them close them close them, close them. Mm, yeah that's nice and just take your take a deep breath feels good huh that's american okay. that's american area breathing so here we go. Can you see the early What's at the twilight's last I've never heard now notice the jazz band in the back of
Please don't. I see what you're typing there. <laughs> don't you do it. I didn't ask for that. You don't want to hear the suede remix? No. <laughs> yes, you do. My favorite part of that video is just the solemn looks everyone has to give to this fucking flag. Perform <laughs> the Star Spangled Banner, Fergie. That's not it. Uh, if this isn't it, oh, here we go. Don't tell me this song don't bang. Let's play some basketball. I'm gonna oh, go. Shit. <laughs> oh my god, that's really good. Dabbing on fools. Uh, oh, it's a patriotic day for me and you and you listeners. Oh. So, yeah. Anything else you got, dude? No, I mean that kind of sold it for me. <laughs> that's a good closeout for you, huh? Me too. Jesus Christ. Yeah, what, what, what? Now I'm gonna have that beat stuck in my head. Hey, you know what? You know what time it is? Almost. I, that's that was the best time for music during the November season. True. Because you got oh. beans, you got greens, potatoes, tomatoes, lamb, ham, whole mouth, <laughs> chicken, turkey, chicken, turkey. I got beans, beans, potatoes, tomatoes, lamb, ham, turkey, mouth, mouth. Love that song. <laughs> Oh man, that shit's hilarious. <laughs> I love that video. I love it so much. Um Yeah. All right. Well all right. <laughs> Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. Um uh, we took a few weeks off because my ass was fucking up, but uh we'll be back and we're here. So be ready for that. Um and thank you for listening. Anything else, Caesar? Um, I'll be your naughty boy. Ooh, you let me go see the I'll lighthouse. I'll be your naughty boy. I'll be your naughty boy. Bringing my milkshake. All right, go enjoy your milkshakes. Peace. And go enjoy the lighthouse. Yes. By Robert Akers. And uh, Jack Ryan, number yeah. one show on TV. Everywhere. Okay, peace. <laughs>